This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival, via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app and also via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the iHeartRadio website and app and warfradio.com. Coming up on this week's episode, there's a lot of news out of the AFLW with the W Awards All-Australian team marking goal the year announced over the last few days. We'll have that coming up for you in just a moment's time, plus also some club best and fairests and some news out of New Zealand. Our featured guest for this week is a Queenslander who finds herself in Scotland playing with the Edinburgh Bloods in the Scottish Australian Rules Football League Women's Competition. Ashley Carter will join us a little bit later on in the program. And also a special treat, interviews from a lost episode of our podcast, That's all coming up. But first, the latest women's footy news. We're going to quickly jump overseas first because AFL New Zealand have announced their Women's Player of the Year for 2020, and it goes to Kalani Mori. Now, Kalani played for Tasmania in round one of the AFLW National Under-18s Championships and then got uh, selected to go up to the Eastern Allies team for round two or stage two of the National Championships. The first time any New Zealand woman had made it that far in the organisation's history. She was also named best on ground for New Zealand in Game 2 of their series of matches against the Mornington Peninsula, that is under-18 girls football. Here is Kalani Mori speaking to the AFL New Zealand website. I just want to say a huge thank you to AFL New Zealand for this award. Um, also really want to thank AFL Tasmania and Eastern Allies for giving me the opportunity to go over and play last year. Um, I really love being able to go to Melbourne, Sydney and the Gold Coast to play in the NAB League and the AFLW National Championships. Um, I learned so much from being able to play with, against and be coached by AFLW players. Um, I was really looking forward to bringing that back this year and continuing to improve my game, but unfortunately I went ahead and ruptured my ACL at the start of the year, so lately just been working really hard at trying to get back to um, being stronger and fitter than I was before. Um, really got my eyes set on hopefully playing in the International Cup next year. Um, other than that, I've just been enjoying lockdown like the rest of us, so hopefully everyone's staying home, staying safe. Okay, so to the AFL Women's Awards. First of all, the goal of the year was won by Melbourne's Kate Hoare. Uh, and thanks to Coach Tyre for sponsoring the event. Thanks to everyone who voted. Uh, thanks to the Melbourne Footy Club and obviously all my teammates, especially Maka, who decided to give me the ball back so I could actually win this award. So thanks, guys. Go Dees. And the winner of the AFLW Mark of the Year went to the GWS Giants, Rebecca Pripitelli. Firstly, I'd just like to thank everyone who nominated and voted for me. Um, a big thank you to the Giants for everything they did to get it out on social media and all our supporters for jumping online um, and giving me the vote. Uh, big thank you to the club for all the support that they've shown me this year and um, given me an opportunity to play the game that I love. And a big thank you to the AFL, um, firstly, for the award, but 
are secondly for everything that's gone on the past couple of weeks and um, the way we handled the end of the season and everything that went on. I'm really appreciative to, to play this game. On Monday, the 2020 AFL Women's All-Australian team was announced and we begin from the back half. Sarah Allen, Kate Luckins, Karen Harrington, Libby Birch and Isabel Huntington. Across the centre line with Vice-Captain Emma Carney, Kiara Bowers and Jamie Lambert. And to the forward half, Olivia Purcell, Gemma Horton, Jazz Garner, Caitlin Greiser and Kate Hoare. The followers include Rakshani Layton, Karen Paxman as Rak Rover and as Rover Madison Press-Parkers, Paxman was given the honour of the captaincy. On the interchange, Glenda Howarth, Elise Parker, Taylor Harris, Ash Riddell and Anne Hatchard. Here is Shani Layton speaking to Channel 10 in regards to her going from being an Australian netballer to in her second season of AFLW being the All-Australian Ruck. I was really average in year one and so I've showed, I hope that I've showed with a bit of dedication and putting all your time and effort into learning a new skill that you can progress quite quickly. Yeah, I was meant to be getting married on Thursday over in Hawaii so we cancelled the wedding and so this has been a really great little pick-me-up actually to try and soften a week that was pretty hard. The remaining W Awards were announced on Tuesday night. The first award to be given out was the NAB Rising Star and it went to a woman who was playing in her third season but had had limited match time due to injury throughout 2018 and 2019. Halfback Isabel Huntington of the Western Bulldogs named NAB AFLW Rising Star for 2020. Bit of a shock, to be honest. Um, yeah, this, the, the feed just cut out a little bit there, so I actually wasn't sure. I didn't quite hear the full name of who would won, but, um, yeah, I'm just in shock, and it's really such an honour to be here on the computer today, I guess, but um, to be nominated and to receive this award is just amazing. Having such a long journey with injury and um, having sort of missed so many games previously, to even get out on the field for round one this year was um, really heartwarming and um, a real testament, I guess, to the people around me who've been able to support me and... Um, particularly the rehab staff at the club. So um, for me, the sort of main goal was just to be able to play round one and then, um, you know, play as many games as I could from there without injuring myself or um, having any little setbacks. So to get through the season, um, having only missed one game with a concussion was amazing. And, um, yeah, I was just really happy to be out back on the field, to be honest. And going into the league best and fairest, Jasmine Garner of the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos was the hot favourite after winning the MVP for the AFL Players Association and the AFL Coaches Award. However, she would only score just four votes with the umpires. The runaway winner in the end was Carlton's Madison Press Parkus. Um, yeah. Um, sorry. Just really honoured um, to obviously be able to take out this medal and it's something that you don't really play footy for. You play the big one to... If there's any consolation for Jazz Garner, she did take out the club champion award uh, late last week with the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. Here's her accepting that award. Um, I'm obviously... Um very honoured to win this award and I guess I just want to um, congratulate, you know, Khan, Dinesh and um, Jenna and Gilroy um, for having um, great seasons as well. I think any one of them could have easily taken out um, this award. So, yeah, I'm feeling very honoured to win it. Um, but, yeah, I guess I just want to thank everyone at the club and I'm absolutely loving my footy at the moment and, um, yeah, really enjoying it. So. 
yeah, I couldn't thank the club um, enough and, you know, all the staff and the coaches and um, especially the, the girls. Um, I think I'm, I'm not able to play the footy I do without the, the playing group. So, um, yeah, I just want to thank you girls for letting me um, the play the footy I do and Jenna, Ash and Times in the middle and, you know, Gav, Mia, um, you know, you guys get in and under and do all that hard stuff and now I'm lucky enough to get on the outside and kick a few goals. So um, thank you. And, you know, the forwards as well. I know as a forward it can be quite frustrating when, um, you know, the mids try to sneak forward and get goals. But you guys really embraced us mids um, going down there and um, trying to help out. So, yeah, I just want to thank the, the whole playing group for um, the whole year. I've just... I'm loving my footy at the moment. Also, late last week, Geelong announced their AFLW best and first for 2020, and it went to Olivia Purcell, ahead of Matty McMahon in second and Nina Morrison in third. And for Carlton, well, it's no surprise, back-to-back best and fairest. Once again, here's Madison Pressbarkus. Um, yeah, it hasn't really sunk in just yet, um, obviously. Um, it's, very, it's very great, and it was awesome to obviously um, receive... Um, the award once again, but um, yeah, it hasn't fully sunk in yet. Um, I think it's just more, I'm just stoked that I have won it, but um, yeah, I don't really think about it too much either, so it hasn't actually sunk in too much, but um, yeah, to have the girls and the club around me and have some really nice messages from them all, um, I think means a lot more than actual water itself. And as we round out this week's Women's Footy News, uh, on the W Awards program at Fox Footy on Tuesday night, AFL CEO Gil McLaughlin did address the future of the AFLW competition. I want to reinforce to all of you that we're as committed to AFLW as we were before the season started. This commitment has not changed. In four short years, NAB AFLW has become part of the fabric of Australian football. And it will be back better than ever. And that's your latest women's footy news. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. All the way from Edinburgh, where we have the Scottish Australian Rules Football League women's competition, the fourth and newest side in that competition, the Edinburgh Bloods. But it's not a Scottish accent, as you'll pick up in a moment. From the Gold Coast, we have on the line Ashley Carter. Ash, how are you? Hi, Peter. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad at all. Now, I've got to ask the question, how did someone from the warmth and the sunshine of the Gold Coast end up <laughs> in a freezing cold place like Edinburgh, Scotland? Uh, yeah, I get asked that quite a lot. I uh, came to Scotland for a holiday back in 2018 and I just absolutely loved it. So I thought I'd give the UK visa a crack and make the move over. And there you are, living in Edinburgh, Scotland. But this isn't the first place you've played Aussie Rules football. Before we talk about the Bloods and their formation, at least on on the women's side, Mm -hmm. I I believe yourself, you actually played uh, footy in Queensland before you went across. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I played about a year and a half um, on the Gold Coast with the Broad Beach Cats. 
uh, got into it uh, through some friends uh, back home and, yeah, really enjoyed it. That probably gives us a good insight because I believe you joined around 2016, 2017. This is just when the AFLW has been announced and just before it kicks off. So give us a a glimpse into what women's footy was like in Queensland as the momentum around women's football was starting to get that role going. Yeah, so over that year and a half, I definitely noticed it was um, growing a lot. There was a lot of excitement around women's, women's footy. And uh, the club was really good at um, supporting us as well. We had a great group of girls. And um, that uh, first year that I played, we were actually, uh, our team was lucky enough to win the Div 2 Premiership as well, which was really exciting. So a flag under your belt. You've got the AFLW starting with Brisbane. But at that moment, you go, I'm out of here. I'm going off to uh, (laughs) Scotland. Did you even consider it all in your mind? Was footy a thing at all? Did you just give up on it thinking, oh, surely there's no way I'm going to be able to find football in Scotland? Yeah, no, it wasn't on my mind at first. But then as the the move was getting closer and closer, about a couple of weeks before I was due to leave, I thought I'd just uh, have a quick look online and see if they actually did have any uh, footy teams. And I was shocked when I actually found one in Edinburgh. Let's talk about the four clubs. Now, of course, we know the two original teams there on the women's side, that, of course, being the Glasgow Sharks, and now they call themselves the Glasgow Giants, what we know as the Greater Glasgow Giants. West Lothian has just come across in uh, recent times. Uh, Mikey there has been doing great things outside of Edinburgh. (laughs) Talk about the start-up for the Edinburgh Bloods, because you're the newest team on the block in this four-team competition. When did the ball start to, to roll of, A, you getting involved, and be players slowly recruited to start forming a squad? Okay, yeah. So about three weeks after I got to Edinburgh, I went to one of the pre-season training sessions that the Bloods had on because uh, I found them through Facebook and contacted them. And they said they didn't have a women's team yet, but they were trying to put one together and really encouraging any girls to come to training. So I went along and there was two other girls um, at the session and they had about five girls in total that were sort of training casually. Um, Then as the year progressed, we had a couple more girls um, come just through seeing it on Facebook and um, there's a Aussies in Scotland webpage as well um, that they advertise on. And as we got more numbers... um, couple of the girls actually were part of rugby teams as well. And so they started telling some of the local Scottish girls, hey, why don't you come along and give Australian football a go? And so they did, and they absolutely loved it. And before we knew it, we uh, we had a full team. And, of course, you're very interconnected with the West Lothian side and the two Glasgow teams. Can you give us a rough idea mm-hmm. on, on the makeup, a rough percentage of Aussie expats playing the game and those from Scotland or elsewhere that are in part of the competition? Okay, yes. I think with our team in um, Edinburgh, we tend to have a few more Aussies, I think, than uh, the other three teams. Uh, West Lothian Eagles, they've got quite a lot of local girls, which is really, really good to see. There's a big focus on trying to get um, more and more Scottish players, obviously, so that we can continue to build the game up. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say with the other clubs, there's not that many Aussies, actually, which, which, is, a, which is a good thing. Let's talk about the Aussies on your side. Um, is everyone actually, is, despite being Australian, new to the game and just didn't pick it up back home? Or had others actually played the game socially and just rekindled their love for the game again over in Scotland? Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, we had a couple of girls that um, had played before back home in Australia. 
uh, which is really good. And so obviously it can help uh, the Scottish girls that had never played the game at all. Um, but we also had a couple of Aussie girls that um, hadn't hadn't played back home and just thought it would be uh, a good way to um, meet meet some new people while they're overseas and get that sort of like community feel back that you get from home. Can we talk about uh, the, the first couple of games that you played in 2019? I think it was around about July, the middle of the year, how that came together mm-hmm. and how the side performed on the park for your first hit out. Yeah, no, that was a very exciting day. The first day we got to have a full team out on the pitch. Um, you're right, yeah, it was in July um, and <laughs> the girls were so excited. We had a lot of support as well from the um, the men's team at our club and uh, we managed to get away with a win, which was made the day even better. Um, it was the Eagles that we actually played in that first, first match and they hosted us and, um, yeah, it was an absolutely great game. So, a win on debut that's obviously created a lot of buzz around the club. And when we say a full squad, we should mention, mm-hmm. unlike the London competition, uh, which has greater numbers and they're playing uh, traditional 16 or 18 yeah. aside, um, I believe it's a smaller competition. You're looking at roughly nine aside uh, up there in Scotland? Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. So, we do have to yeah drop the numbers a bit based on what we've got. So, for example, uh, particularly for American listeners, that's very similar to Metro football they've got over in the USA and some smaller competitions like AFL Quebec. So, we've got through the first year. What if you've taken the lessons out of year one, playing your first few scratch matches before coming into the Sandfall W proper, and when we say Sarfall W, S-A-R-F-L, Scottish Australian Rules Football League Women's. Um, What lessons have you taken out of that as you prepared for your first pre-season prior to COVID-19, when we all thought we were going to be underway sometime around March. Yeah, yeah. So we were all looking forward to the season starting uh, last month and pretty uh, pretty shattered when that couldn't happen because of every, everything that's um, going on, but that's understandable. Um, but we just were building on from last year. So we had uh, obviously a lot of new players, people that hadn't um, necessarily played before and... Um, we were getting more and more girls to training, which was fantastic. Um, one of the girls in our team as well was sort of acting as our women's coach. So we were working on our um, uh, ball skills a lot, which was really good. Um, and we trained together with the uh, men's Edinburgh Bloods team as well. So they're always uh, helping us out to be the best that we can be. Uh, obviously, yeah, it's disappointing that we didn't get to play yet, but... Hopefully, we can get a couple games in uh, towards the end of the year. A couple of your players did actually manage to sneak in a game as part of a combined Scottish siren side uh, in the Leprechaun Cup. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they went over to Belfast uh, earlier this year and, um, yeah, got to um, uh, all join forces with the girls from the other three teams. And uh, they were lucky enough to get the win on the day so they were the top squad which was really really exciting I um wasn't there myself unfortunately um but we had uh I think we had four three or four girls from our bloods team were there 
that's fantastic to see that they can go over there and at least get some game time into themselves, as we said before we hit this um, this awkward pause, because it was meant to be a big year, not only for the SARFLW, for, the, for you there in Scotland, but also at the same time, um, you had the Haggis Cup that was due to come up. And in Stirling, Scotland, yeah. and in Stirling, Scotland, which you could probably give us an idea of how far Stirling is away from Edinburgh, it was meant to be the home of the yep. Nineside Euro Cup that was going to be played um, around the middle of the year. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. We were all so excited, not only for Haggis Cup, but um, yeah, also for the Euros, which was um, going to be played in Stirling, which is actually where I'm staying at the moment for the lockdown. Actually, in Stirling, um, as we speak, I was at the grounds the other day. Um, just having to look around and thought, oh, this is where it would have been if it uh, if it was happening. But um, they're they're still looking to hopefully have it here next year. Um, so hopefully we can still get Scotland to host in twenty twenty one. I think it's been explained that um, the movement of dates to, because the Euro Cup used to actually be played in October, wasn't going to be feasible for this year in Scotland as uh, the weather turns a bit in October. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, we were looking forward to having it in June. Um, so that it would be a little bit warm, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about the, the, the SARFL W. As we said, it's a four-team competition. And I'm correct, it's not like an, at home in Australia. It's not a traditional home in a way, but it's more a series of round robins where a case of one team hosts and the next couple of fortnights later, the next team hosts and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So we um, have a bit of a round robin comp, like you've said, and we each take uh, turns with hosting. Uh, so we had a structure set up where we were going to have four carnivals throughout the year. Um, obviously, a couple in Glasgow, one in West Lothian and uh, one in Edinburgh, and then play a few games um, on each of those days uh, every few weeks. And in between those, have some um, sirens uh, training where it gives all the girls a chance to get together and um keep training for the Euros. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, is being postponed, along with the International Cup as well. Of course, some of the Scottish women were due to be taking part in the GB Swan side. Uh, In fact, coming to your home state in Queensland. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. It's really exciting. (laughs) I was like, it would have been good to be home for that. So let's talk about your squad as well. As you said, the the numbers were increasing. Um, What numbers are you looking like at the moment on paper with your team? And while you've had this lockdown situation, obviously it's hard to try and keep everyone motivated while they're at home, but have you been able to, over the internet, through Zoom, through FaceTime, whatever, been able to try and reach out and find more players, particularly with people bought online, just searching for random things while they're in lockdown? Yeah, so we've um, we've been able to keep in contact with uh, everyone else from the club. We have had uh, a few Zoom dates, like you've mentioned, which has been really good for the club morale and keeping everyone together and sociable and everything. Um, uh, so that's been really, really great. We've also had some like Facebook Live like fitness sessions as well, which one of the boys from our club um, does each week, which is really, really good. Um, we've also just had uh, one of those Strava group pages put up to keep everyone motivated with their running and their fitness. Um, there's still going to be lots of um, advertising for the club on like the Facebook and Aussies and um, Scotland pages and all that and keeping people up to date with when exactly we can go back to training once uh, once we know more uh, <laughs> based on what's happening. Um, but with the squad numbers, with the amount of girls we've got at the moment, I think we're looking at around about, on a if we can get everyone everyone in on a good day, we we'll probably have around about uh, 14 girls, I'd say. 
Which is respectable numbers in uh, a place that uh, is not a traditional Aussie rules home ground. And in fact, uh, if you're in the USA, that was very close to qualifying for enough numbers for a Division One side. So 14 is great because it gives you nine plus five on the bench as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, if we can get everyone down there. I mean, sometimes we have a bit less, sometimes we might have a bit more. Um, but no, the numbers are steadily increasing, which is what we want to see. So that's really good. Can you give us a little insight into some of the players on your squad? Who have been some of the standout players for you over the handful of games that you played last year? And of course, that you were hoping that we're going to make an impact uh, come the 2020 season, whenever it starts. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. So um, one of the main girls we've got who's also uh, been acting as our um, like women's coach as well is uh, lovely girl, uh, Sean Furness. So she played um, in Australia and Sydney um, as well. She's a Kiwi herself. Um, but, yeah, she's been phenomenal, and especially with uh, recruiting as well. So she plays rugby as well and has managed to get quite a few uh, girls down and join the team, which has been really, really good. So um, she's definitely like one of our... Um, Star, star players. <laughs> and, of course, she also played for that Scottish Siren side uh, over in the Leprechaun Cup. Yes, she did. She did. She did very well over there. I wasn't surprised to see how well she did. And she, um, I believe she got the Best and Fairest Award, which uh, she definitely deserved. Absolutely fantastic. And we just hope that she can bring just a few more of those rugby players across to uh, playing Aussie rules football. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> now, Ash, in case there's any Aussies um, when this COVID-19 situation is over or looking ahead to 2021, uh, do come across to Scotland, uh, in particular, uh, obviously, for the Edinburgh Comedy Festival and things like that, and they're trying to look up mm-hmm. the Edinburgh Bloods and know more about you, where can they find you? Uh, so you can find us on Facebook. If you look up Edinburgh Bloods on Facebook, it'll definitely come up. We're also um, on Instagram as well. Um, and we do have um, our own website as well, the Edinburgh Bloods. So I'd say your best port of call uh, would be Facebook because we do regular posts and um, updates, and we love having people come down, whether they're here for a short time, a long time, um, or just a good time. <laughs> so we're always welcoming people. We've got a really, really good um, uh, club culture and very friendly bunch. Well, Ash, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. And we wish you and the Bloods all the very best as you keep training during this uh, isolation period at the moment. And fingers crossed, sooner rather than later, you'll be back out there for the Sarful W Season 2020. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Don't go anywhere. We've got more of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival coming up right after this. Been playing for a while Sweet kicks Cos footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football
on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. This is the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Now, we're about a couple of interviews short for what would be a regular podcast. Unfortunately, we did run out of production time. We couldn't get the times lined up with the people that we wanted to interview. We hope to have them on in the next week or two. And one reason why we did run out of time, we've been a little occupied with a side project called Before They Were AFLW Stars. Now, we're slowly starting to work on this and upload the audio to YouTube. So over the next few days, if you're at home, uh, staying in isolation and you're a little bit bored, we recommend you just type into the YouTube search engine before they were AFLW stars. And what you'll find is our Wharf Radio channel and you're going to find some interviews with women that were just playing footy in 2014, 2015, 2016 and even 2017 before they were household names that we know today in the AFL women's competition. Already up there, we've got the likes of Katie Brennan from our very first episode in 2015. We've got an interview with Catherine Smith of the Melbourne Demons. At the time we interviewed her in 2015, she was playing with the Sandringham Dragons in the TAC Cup Girls Academy system. That was from our Lost Episode 3. In fact, we have two Lost Episodes uh, from our podcast that are missing that we can't find anywhere on our system, uh, both from the first year, 2015 Episode 3 and 2015 Episode 10. But what we are lucky with is we actually have some of the interviews. Uh, Catherine Smith from Episode 3 has been uploaded and coming soon we'll have uploaded but you're about to hear now some of the interviews from Lost Episode 10. That episode we recorded interviews at the 2015 AFL Women's Draft. Now in 2015 there were two women's exhibition matches, one at the MCG and then one held at uh, Docklands, then known as Etihad Stadium. Uh, The Docklands game of course was the first ever televised AFL Women's match. There was a mini draft before game two but there was a bigger draft which occurred before uh, the first game. What happened was both Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs were allowed to retain only six players each and the rest had to be delisted to go into a draft. Now, from that draft, the first pick to the Western Bulldogs is Emma King out of the Coastal Titans, would later be a marquee with the Collingwood Football Club and, of course, is now playing with the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. The second pick, remember this name, Danielle Godding. It was a ruck from Morfittville Park. She was taken by Melbourne. And now an interview with a woman who was taken as the third pick for the Western Bulldogs would end up being a priority signing with the Collingwood Football Club, where she'd play there for two seasons, as well as being uh, a football manager role there, Meg Hutchins. And, of course, she would do uh, the match analyst role with us with the 2019 VFLW final series and, of course, would go on to be an ABC Grandstand match analyst. Here's our interview from that lost episode 10 with Meg Hutchins back on the 20th of April, 2015. Joined now on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast by number three draft pick from the Eastern Devils in Meg Hutchins. Uh, Meg, what a start to the year it's been for you. Uh, first of all, co-captain with the Eastern Devils. You've got two wins on the board, two zip. Currently at this moment sitting top of the table and now you're changing from Melbourne to the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit surreal actually. I I sort of just came tonight just um, yeah, hoping I could get another gig and um, yeah, to hear my name come out at, at three I was kind of a little bit shocked so um, yeah, it's, it's been a great start to the season. Yeah, the, the Devils are going well and um, yeah, we're really happy with how everything's going. 
going and also to have my teammate Hannah Scott be, be drafted as well um, yeah I'm really happy that she's playing on my team because I don't, wouldn't want to play against her now, you were originally delisted about a month or so ago amongst a number of girls. Um, what was the original emotions going through your head when they say, unfortunately, we can only pick six and you're not in the six? Oh, look, it was, you know, I was pretty realistic. You know, I, I uh, expected the worst and hoped for the best, but, you know, it's a hard position for the coaches to be in only keeping six with so many great players on, on that uh, team that we won last year. Uh, it was a fantastic team performance, so... Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't overly upset, and it was a bit disappointing. But um, you know, I, I understood where they were coming from, and um, I knew my time wasn't done yet. So put my hand up again. Do you have a feeling Craig Sarsovich is going to pick your brains coming across from Melbourne to try and figure out the Michelle Cohen brand of football? Um, oh, look, he's more than welcome to. I'm more than happy to help out. But um, look, he's a very intelligent football brain himself, and has uh, fantastic coaches alongside him that would probably already know the, the style of football that, that will be played by Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, I'm more than happy to help. But I think his probably main focus will be, will to, will be to try and establish a, a Western Bulldog style of football that we can really um, buy into and, and adopt and play well. Being a key back, you may end up with a job on Taylor Harris. Yeah, well, uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, you know, she's a great footballer and I'm going to have my... Uh, work cut out for me no matter who I happen to play on um, but you know I'm looking forward to the challenge and I'll prepare myself accordingly yeah. and also for those at home as we know you're a key backline player explain Hannah Scott Hannah Scott uh, she's a really hard in and under player um, fierce tackler fantastic booming kick um, and that booming kick is very accurate as well so she's a fearless player she had a really hard year last season you know a lot of injuries so she only ended up playing um, probably close to three or four games last season for the Devils so I'm wrapped to see her get a good pre-season done play some good football in the first couple of games for us and um, yeah be able to actually put forward her, her skills on display on the biggest stage and I guess one lucky thing is uh, coming up around June July there will be another draft so some more girls can get picked up because you still have got a couple of Canadians on your list that are still looking to land their first AFL exhibition match. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we're Amy Legault and, and Kendra Hale. Oh, Ken, I just call it Kenny. Um, yeah, they're, they're still within a chance and so are many, many other um, female footballers around the country. So, um, you know, us as uh, drafted players, we need to make sure we do everything we can now to stay on the list and um, not get cut before the second game. Um, but, yeah, look, there's, there's chances uh, are endless for those people that are still on there, that nominated and are still on that, on that list that um, want, to, want to be part of it. Meg, thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much. Now, after Meg, Kiara Bowers. Of course, we know playing for Fremantle and what a sensational finish she had in the AFLW League Best and Fairest this year. She was taken pick four by the Melbourne Football Club in that 2015 AFL Women's Draft. Uh, a pick five... Kelly Gibson, who would go on to be the inaugural Adelaide Crows marquee, along with Chelsea Randall. She was taken by the Western Bulldogs. And at pick six, after being originally delisted by Melbourne, Ali Blackburn.
Yeah, she'd play for the D's in 2015. Of course, as we know, she is now the Western Bulldogs captain and led them to a premiership in 2018. Joined now at com by uh, Ali Blackburn. Must have been a few nervous moments there, delisted, but finally back in the blue and red. Yeah, very exciting to be back in the Melbourne colours again. I um, was a bit nervous um, coming into the draft, and when I got delisted, um, pretty heartbreaking, but definitely good to be picked up again. Yeah, it was surprising because you got the highest possessions in the last game. Did Michelle Cohen give you a phone call before the uh, yeah, she um, she called us up and, and let us know. I think she called every player up, actually, um, which was really good. And just let us know um, her reasonings behind it and stuff like that. So, you know, it was, it was good to be pre-warned instead of just read about it on social media, I guess. Now, prior to this draft, did you find yourself changing your game style, changing how you prepared during your pre-season over this summer? Uh, not really in terms of pre-season wise, but in my game I have changed a little bit. Um, done a couple of things differently. I worked with, with our new coach, um, a bit more on my defensive side of the game and my tackling pressure. So that's something um, we've been working on a little bit. So hopefully that can be proven in my game and you can see that a little bit more. It's been an amazing 24 hours for you, hasn't it? Uh, just last night knocking off Darabin, the undefeated side, claiming their scalp by 19 points. Everyone's on a high and now you're back in the Melbourne jumper. Yes, I'm um, definitely still buzzing from uh, yesterday's game. Um, we, we all got here and we all still had big smirks on our face, all the um, girls from Melbourne Uni. So, And to just be picked up again, you know, it's, it's been a massive um, couple of days. So really excited about it and um, really, I guess, relieved in the results that have um, come my way. Can you give us a little insight to the, to the mind of Michelle Cohen? Uh, how does she go about preparing you girls in the two or three days that she has before a match? It's a tough one. Um, no, she's um, really well prepared. I think she does have um, background knowledge of, of everyone and um, she knows she gives everyone their, her expectations and lets everyone know the role they're going to play early on in um, the few days of preparation we have. And, you know, she's just constantly informing us of stuff we need to know and, and just the way we, she wants us to play the game. And the way she goes about it is just really good and really inspirational um, and happy to have her as a coach again. Cecilia McIntosh, we just interviewed her teammate. She's going to be pulling on the colours alongside you in Melbourne. Rumour has it that she got selected because she stood up the best after clashing heads with Elise O'Day. <laughs> um, I'm not too certain about that one. Um, <laughs> but no, it's um, very exciting to have uh, C on, on board the Melbourne team again um, for this year. You know, she's worked hard and um, made sure that she's put herself up for selection this year and it's, you know, it's just really good to see that you know the hard-working players are get, being rewarded for all the stuff they're doing behind the scenes and I know C's one of those players that, you know, definitely puts in um, all the hard yards and really happy to have her as my teammate. And Brooke White joining you as well? Yeah, again, another player that's worked extremely hard in the off-season again to make sure she's been um, reselected. You know, it was a bit hard playing against her last year in the, as she was for uh, Doggies, so it's good to have her back on board this year. Talking about playing against some of your best players, Kerrick and Ashmore, you'll be up against. Yeah, and um, Carney as well, so definitely a bit of competition in that, so a little bit of friendly fire in the games, I'm sure, but, you know, it's always good to play against those girls as much as a challenge it is, but, you know, love coming up against um, good teammates and good footballers and it's always good to challenge yourself I guess. Ali thanks for joining us. Toysie thank you for that.
Before the next interview that we have from 2015 and that lost episode 10, I'll run through the other names that were picked up in this 2015 AFL Women's Draft. At pick seven, Emma Zilke. Pick eight, Elise O'Day. Pick nine, Katie Loins. Emma Swanson at pick 10. Renee Fourth, pick 11. Hayley Miller, pick 12. Caitlin Ashmore, pick 13. Ebony Antonio, pick 14. Lauren Arnell, pick 15. Uh, Dana Hooker went at 16. Jess Wuchner went to the Western Bulldogs at 17. Leah Maskell at pick 18. Remember Heather Anderson, she went to the Western Bulldogs at pick 19. Kiara Phillips went at pick 20. Emily Bates at 21. Brooke White, remember her? She was playing then at Melbourne University. She was picked up by Melbourne as pick 22. Leah Kasler, pick 23 to the Doggies. Uh, now North Melbourne, Tasmanian Kangaroos assistant coach Lauren Moorcroft was picked up by Melbourne at pick 24. Hannah Scott went at pick 25. And then Cecilia McIntosh was picked up by the D's at pick number 26. Joining the podcast now by the Sea Bomb and Cecilia McIntosh. Uh, how do you feel to be picked up by the Melbourne Football Club? Oh, ecstatic. It's, it's one of the big highlights of my career. What an amazing 24 hours it's been for you. I mean, you were playing in that Muggers game where uh, you knocked off the undefeated Darwin and now playing AFL football. You must be living on cloud nine. Yeah, I didn't think anything could be better than what happened yesterday in that win, um, but this really does top it off. Was there any inkling from uh, Coach Michelle Cohen when she was at the ground that you might be picked up? I had no idea, to be honest. I just knew I had to put everything out there for those first two rounds um, and just go for it and see what happened. Now, for the supporters that will be watching you for the first time pull on the Melbourne Jumper, what do you bring to the game? Um, speed, excitement um, and hard-hitting footy. Fair to say a little cheek as well? Oh, a little bit, maybe. Seabomb, congratulations and best of luck in the uh, exhibition game coming up in May. Thank you, thank you. Of course, it'd be a heartbreaking game for Cecilia. It was early on, I think uh, in the first quarter, that she ended up doing her knee on the MCG. But she managed to get back. She would end up being picked up by the Collingwood Football Club, played three seasons there before retiring and now playing with Essendon in the VFLW. Madeline Kerrick was taken at pick 27. Bree White was taken at pick 28 in the 2015 AFL Women's Draft. And then Phoebe McWilliams of the St Kilda Sharks. She was taken by the Western Bulldogs at pick 29. Joining us now on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, the one and only P-Mac. How does it feel to be jumping the fence from your beloved demons to the scray? I must admit I was a little bit um, confused when they read out my name, but I'm just so happy to be playing. And um, for the Bulldogs, thank you for picking me, and I'll show you that it was a good pick. And it must be like home sweet home for you because you've got your very own Sharks board with you, Mo Hope. Yeah, um, Craig from the Bulldogs has already spoken to us about that and he just wants us to do what we do on the weekend um, out on the G. So uh, we'll be look- I'll be looking for Mo, but we've also got some other Ripper players in the forward line as well. Now, obviously no one does hope for an injury, but should something happen, you've got another Sharks teammate in Pepper Randall standing by as emergency. Yeah, she was stoked to get picked and um, I think last year both the emergencies played, so fingers crossed kind of not really uh, that someone gets injured but um, yeah hopefully Pepper gets a game she'll be really happy with that must be nice to be on the same side as Astor O'Connor so you don't have to go head to head with her <laughs> yeah I think people are already laughing because they're getting confused by which one's which but uh, 
Yeah, it'd be good playing alongside my twin. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while indeed. And also, I've been told the honorary shark and Steph Chochi as well, you'll be lining up with her. Yeah, she's one of our good friends, so uh, we're happy to be all playing together. We're going to have lots of fun, I think, and except when I'm on the field. They're already heckling you already, so it's, <laughs> it's, it seems like there's going to be plenty of pranks being played down at Witten Oval. I feel sorry for Craig Sarsovich. You've probably all got something planned for him. <laughs> Not yet, but give us a couple of weeks. <laughs> And you'll certainly have something planned on him. Now, just to give those an idea at home, obviously different with the preparation at Melbourne, what's kind of done in the two or three days when you're all together leading up to a game? Yeah, it's pretty intense um, couple of days. Um, obviously, a lot of us are from all around Australia, so you're just meeting your teammates and getting to know them, and then you have to learn how they play as well, and also your game structure. So it's a good two days of full-on learning and training, and then come the game day, it's just a, a whole bunch of nerves, so um, I was so lucky to do it last year, and to do it again, it'll be great. And, and I believe that, um, similar to Melbourne last year, you're now virtually with your new teammates from Interstate, swapping Instagrams, Twitter accounts, the whole lot, everyone's trying to get to know each other in the four weeks that you have? Yeah, well, I just went on my, I just checked my phone, I got 15 messages and about 20 notifications on Facebook, so hopefully they're my new uh, teammates adding me, and... Um, yeah, you, in those two and three days, you really get to know one another because you have to build that team relationship um, that comes from years. So you've only got two days to do that. So, it's yeah, it's a good time. And it seems to be one heck of a crazy football year. Obviously, you played in the draft game uh, prior to the start of the season. There's the Victoria game coming up on the Queen's birthday. Two of these exhibition games. And just to throw the hat in the ring on the Premier Division... You won the game against St Albans, pushed Diamond Creek close, Darabin's been knocked off. All of a sudden, this is a wide-open premiership race. It's brilliant. It's actually really good for the competition that it's evening out and um, it just makes it more entertaining for people to come and watch and not know who's going to win. And um, I think um, St Kilda is, is on the way up now as well and, and hopefully we beat Diamond Creek this year and, and maybe uh, show it to Darabin and um, Melbourne Uni as well. And I came down to watch the final quarter of your game against Diamond Creek, and the one amazing thing is the support of your club, not just the sponsors, but I reckon there was about at least 200 people there standing around the fence watching the game at the peanut farm. Yeah, that's probably the best thing about our club is it's just one giant family. So um, every home game we have a massive crowd there and all our friends and families and partners. It's just, it's just a great... I love playing at home. Well, PMAC, congratulations. Get used to the red, white and blue from now on and uh, we wish you best of luck out there on the MCG in May. Great, thank you very much. The PMAC would go on to play with the Greater Western Sydney Giants and then go across to the Geelong Cats in the AFLW and in the meantime in 2018 would win a VFLW premiership with the Hawthorne Football Club. Rounding out that draft was Brianna Green at pick 30, Jordan Zanchena pick 31, Courtney Cramey at pick 32, that's a steal, Pepper Randall pick 33 and Jody Hicks at pick number 34. For the record, there was a uh, mini-draft held before the second game, which was done by a phone conference, and this is what it looked like. Brianna Davey taken at pick one, and you might ask, why wasn't she taken in the previous draft? Well, she didn't start playing with uh, the St Kilda Sharks until uh, the middle of the season, around about uh, late May. 
Britt Benici went at pick two. Talia Randall, pick three. Sabrina Frederick Traub at pick four. She'd go on to be, of course, a uh, marquee uh, with the Brisbane Lions and, of course, then signed to uh, Richmond, as we know today. Caitlin Edwards, pick five. Uh, Tiana Ernst went at pick six. Of course, would win a premiership with the Western Bulldogs, now playing with the Gold Coast Suns. Emma Humphreys at pick seven. Jenna Bruton, who, again, had a great showing in the AFLW League Best and Fairest for 2020. She was taken at pick eight in the mini draft. Matty Collier at pick nine and Jess Delpos pick ten. And I should say that there were 12 players, six for Melbourne and six for the Western Bulldogs that weren't delisted and had to go into this exhibition match draft. They were just signed to continue on and uh, lead their sides through that two-match series were for Melbourne. Kirby Bentley, Cara Dunallen, Taylor Harris, Melissa Hickey, Daisy Pearce and Chelsea Randall. Five of the six still playing. Kirby Bentley has been, of course, a train-on player with Melbourne, hoping to get back on a primary list after spending some time at Carlton and then at Fremantle. Uh, the Western Bulldogs, they had Katie Brennan, Steph Kiochi, Moana Hope, Emma Carney, Asta O'Connor and Darcy Vessio. Worth noting for those sides, for Melbourne, they would only retain into AFLW proper Daisy Pierce, and technically you could call Kirby Bentley part of their squad as a train-on player for 2020. So you could say there's two there. For the Western Bulldogs, out of those six players from 2015, none of them would be on their list in 2020. So that concludes a look back at the 2015 AFL Women's Draft and some of the audio from that from the Lost Episode 10. Not all the audio. You might find a little bit more, including a chat with a coach, appear on the Before They Were AFLW Stars series on YouTube. Again, search for that Before They Were AFLW Stars to find audio from our Lost Episode 10, from our Lost Episode 3, and from our VFLW match broadcast in 2014, 15, 16, and 17. That'll be coming up over the coming days and weeks. That concludes our podcast for this week. We will be back on RSN Carnival next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Melbourne time. And you can always find the podcast at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the iHeartRadio website and app, as well as WARFradio.com. Just search for the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast and find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just put in that address, slash WARFradio and you'll find our account. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company, and it's bye for now.